Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. in a series that we've called The Proving Ground. And as we read the Bible, what we see is that God loves each and every one of us, and he's promised to bless. He wants to bless our lives. But at the same token, he wants to make sure that we can handle what he wants to do in our life. I think all of us could maybe see people that came into something or experienced something, and they didn't have the capacity, and it was actually a detriment to their life. And so what God does is he... he, he uh, leads and even allows certain types of tests in our life that develop our character and prove our potential to handle the greater, the more, and the better that he has for our life. In previous weeks, what we have found out is that this is part of his character. It's part of his nature. It is a pattern in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It transcends. It goes between both of them. We looked and we what we found out is that if you have a hero in the Bible that you look at in the Bible and you say, that person is my hero, including Jesus, Paul, Peter, James, John, Mary, Martha. You say, okay, those are all New Testament. You jump to the Old Testament. You look at Abraham, Moses. You look at Joshua. You look at Caleb. You look at David. It doesn't matter who you, you look at Sarah, you look at Esther. It doesn't matter who you look at. You, what, what we must realize very simply is that if we have a hero in the Bible, not one of them was exempt from having to pass certain tests before they became our hero. Before we looked at it and said, I want to be more like that. And so a foundation scripture that we've been building on, both Old and New Testament, is in Proverbs 17.3. And it says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord, he tests the heart. God tests the heart. We found out that in James 1, that God wants us to begin to see tests and to see trials in our lives from a deeper perspective than just natural or an interruption to our comfort level within our life. He wants us to see them and that if we will, he said that he will use them to equip us and cause us, he said, to be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's what he said. That's not my words. That's his words. He said in James 1. Now, I think if I were to ask everyone here, how many of you, I'll do to my Texas thing, how many of y'all, how many of y'all want to be perfect and complete, needing nothing? How many of you know what I'm saying? Well, he said that that comes about by us beginning to get a different perspective when we're going through a test or when we're going through a trial and realizing that God's going to use that to equip us. And, and I think that, you know, you, I think in our lives, it's huge that if we'll do that, God says, you are stepping into the next thing that I have for your life. I remember that when our kids were um, really little. 
one of them would, one of them came home and we would always, you know, we, we, we do dinner and that whole thing. But one of them, um, it was the first day of the, the next year of school. So they were, I want to say, I think it was like going from first to second grade or something like that. And they came home and I said to them, I said, how is school? This is your first day of this, this next grade. And they said, I don't like it. And I said, why? And they said, because we get less recesses than we did last year. I think sometimes in our life, we think life is about recesses. How many of you know what I'm saying? And God is saying, you know what? Recesses are good, but how many of you know the purpose of school is not recesses? It, that's not the purpose of school. And so, and so and I remember, you know, and, and so they had to adjust and, 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 and to move forward, realize that maybe in our life, God is saying, I need you to adjust your thinking in regard to tests or trials or things that you face in your life. And so what we've been into is we've been talking about nine different types of tests that God allows and leads us that when responded to right, we grow and we can handle more of his best in our life. And so the, we've already covered three. Today we're in the fourth one. But the first week we talked about the test of small things, the test of small things. If you are not here or you're online, I would encourage you to, you can go back and listen to it on the YouTube channel or wherever you can, you can uh, listen to it. The second week is the motivation test. The third one was the credibility test, and that was last week. And this week, we're going to talk about the wilderness test. Everybody say the wilderness test. How many of you know wilderness just does not sound fun? <laughs> it just does not. The, the wilderness test. This test comes in the form of a drought or a dry season or a very difficult season. And it will prove that we'll make the necessary changes for our soul to flourish in the next season of our life. In other words, it's I, I'm in a dry spot, I'm in a drought spot, I'm in a difficult spot. And God is saying, are you willing to make the necessary changes for your soul to flourish while it's uncomfortable and you're in that spot? See, this comes upon us to prove our belief and dependence upon God in his word. When we don't feel it and in many cases don't want to do what God in his word have directed us to do. The feelings aren't there. It's a, it's, we're, we're in a spot. You know, I think honestly, as I think about this, this is true about every area of our life. Um, if you have been married for more than five years, you know there are times you don't feel like doing what your wife asks you to do. How many of you know what I'm saying? Okay, look, don't even leave me hanging. Okay, look, okay, 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 whoa, whoa, okay, one year. <laughs> okay, we'll just do one year. How many of you found that out? You know what, I, but then equally the gals. How many of you know that you don't always feel like doing what he asks you to do? How many of you know what I'm saying? Well, the girls are more honest than the guys. It's, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you had these dreams of having children, and they were going to be angelic. They were going to be angelic. They weren't going to be like everybody else's kids. Your kids were going to be perfect. How many of you know what I'm saying? And then you had them, and you said, what in the flip is going on? How, how, many, of you know, how many of you know are with me? 
And it's true about every area of our life. But you don't get off the horse. You stay on the horse and you do the right thing. You stop and you say, okay, this is harder. This is more difficult. This is a dry spot. This is a testing time. And, you know, will I run off more than just feelings, more than just goosebumps? And don't get me wrong. I like feelings. I like goosebumps. I like euphoricness. How many of you are with me on that? It's, it, I, I like all of that. But when I'm not feeling it and I'm facing a headwind in my life, Will I stir my spirit to faith by reminding myself what God in his word say about me in my situation? Will I stir myself to faith or will I just give in to the feelings, to the turmoil, to what is going on around me in my life? See, wilderness times usually precede a season of blessing, promotion, and opportunity in our life. They almost always do. I can give you many people in the Bible in our life. But equally, wilderness times in our lives are times that we usually experience the greatest temptation to do the wrong thing. Because we're not feeling it. It's hard. We can justify. We can rationalize. And we can do the wrong things. Am I willing to make the changes that progressing and moving forward is requiring of me right now when I don't feel like it? That is a wilderness season in our life. You know, in the Old Testament, what I love is there's so many examples of this. But one of them is God visits the Israelites where they're in Egypt and they're in a really really bad place in their life. They're in a really bad place. And God speaks to them. And what he, he basically says is he said, I'm going to lead you into a land that is better than your wildest dreams. It's better than you could ever imagine. I'm going to lead you into this place. But then he tells them this, but be, and I've made it ready for you. The promised land is there. It's all there. But between where you're at and where I'm leading you, there is a wilderness. And you're going to need to go through that wilderness in order to possess what I've promised and what I've already made ready for you in your life. He said, you're going to have to. And I'm just going to ask a really quick question. He's God. Could God have just um, circumvented where they didn't have to go through a wilderness? Could he have just been like, I don't, no, no wilderness. How many, how many of you are with me on that? Could he have done, but he didn't do that. He didn't do, he, he led them through that. See, the wilderness was necessary for the, to get them to the development place that they could handle what he was getting ready to bring into their life. God took the Israelites from Egypt to the promised land, but they had to go through the wilderness in order to get there. And I think sometimes in America today, because our whole country is premised on comfort and ease, that when we go through wilderness things in our life is what we do is we either check out rather than say, wait a minute, this is a development time right now in my life. This is a time that God is wanting me to stir myself to faith, to anchor on something greater than natural that's going on in my life. God is wanting to stir me to do that in my life. And I, you know what I love is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, it summarizes their entire journey. And, and Moses is speaking to them, and he said this. He said, do not forget that he, speaking of God, 
led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it was so hot and dry. That's Arizona. He gave you water from a rock. Notice what he said. He said that God led them. They had to experience all this stuff, but look at what it said. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. I like that. I like that. How many of you would just like to jump to the last four words and forget all the rest for your own good? But God said it was the wilderness that did that. It was that experience. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 4 and Luke 4 record um, Jesus after he was baptized and before he stepped into ministry, it says that he was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be tested in the wilderness. That's what happened immediately following. This is Jesus, the Son of God, had to be. He had, he had to go through that. And what I love is after Jesus passed this wilderness test, it says in Luke's account, in Luke 4.13, it says, when the devil had finished every temptation, he temporarily left him until a more opportune time. In other words, wilderness tests are not just once, but I will face them in my life. And what the enemy does is he waits for a more opportune time. And God says, I want you to grow beyond his capacity to mess with you. Where you're anchored on me. You're anchored on my word. You're anchored. And, and you know, when you think about going through the wilderness and wilderness experiences, wilderness experiences are times that we have more questions then we have answers in our life. And, our, and what happens is, is the questions are many times screaming louder than the answers. And God's pre felt presence seems far away. I didn't say his presence was far away, but his felt presence in our life is, is far away in our life and in our heart. So we survive, but we don't feel like we're thriving. We don't feel like, God, what's going on? I don't feel like I'm thriving. It says that when Jesus was in the wilderness, he fasted 40 days. And then it says that he was tempted. What I, I love about this describing Jesus is even Jesus was tempted to lose himself or get lost in the wilderness. But what I love is as you look, is he had to rely on his knowledge of God and his faith in God's love and goodness. And he quoted and stood on specific promises to his wilderness that pulled him through. He stood and he said, you know what? I don't feel it. You know what? It isn't. How many of you, when you get hungry, you get hangry? How many of you are with me on that? is don't look at anybody. Some people looked at somebody, and I'm just going to be like. And, but what I love about this story is what Jesus had to do, and it's the same with us, is to rely on his knowledge of God and his faith and God's love and God's goodness. And he quoted and stood on very specific promises as it applied to his life to pull him through that season. See, when in a wilderness season, there's two things. There's absolutely two things that, that we have got to stop and we've got to realize that are really, 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 everybody say really, really, really important. Online, you say it too. 
If you're with somebody, look at them and say, it's really, really important. When you're in a wilderness, number one is this. What we tell ourselves is really, really important. Whatever we're telling ourselves. Because what we tell ourselves is what our thought life swims in at that point. And so we have to stop and say, what am I telling myself? I'm in a wilderness. What am I, am I telling myself? We ain't going to make it. We ain't going to get through. It's ships going to, am I telling myself that? Or am I stopping and saying, God, you're with me. Lord, you've promised to meet all my needs. Lord, you're faithful to your word. And what am I telling myself? What am I, and the, and the next thing that's really, really, really important is those that are giving us counsel and advice, are they in agreement with God and the season we're in? Because the people we listen to when we're in a wilderness will either help us or detract and suck the life out of us by telling us the wrong things. Are you with me? Oh, you just need to go hang out to the bar. You just need to go to the bar and just get you some. How many? It's like, okay. I didn't say they weren't a friend. They're just not a good friend in the season you're in. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just need, there will, <laughs> there's, there will always be resistance between where you are and where God wants to bring you. There's always going to be resistance there. There's resistance. In the wilderness times, God is wanting to teach us that he's more faithful than our feelings, our reasoning, our planning, maybe even someone that we've trusted in our life. God is saying, I want to teach you that I'm more faithful that I am more faithful than your feelings, your reasonings, everything else, your plan, I am more faithful. And that when it doesn't look or feel like it, it's gonna work a trust in us, in the only one that is truly worthy of our trust, our deepest trust, and that's God. It's gonna work that deep into our heart. You know, we look at people in the Bible like, the three Hebrew children that were thrown into the fiery furnace. You say, how did they get to the point where they could look at a furnace and say, this is certain death if God doesn't deliver me and be at peace and not back down? They had come to the point in their trust that it was greater in God than anything that they saw. It was greater than anything that they were looking. And God wants to work a deep trust. If you go over Paul's life, there were times in his life where the circumstances, everything was against him. It, it talks about things like shipwreck and beating and peril among countrymen and stone and all of these things. And then he says this. He said, in everybody that was with me forsook me. But then he said this, but the Lord stood with me. God's, let me tell you, if God's with you, you can overcome. We, we, and God is with you. God's with you. See, our response to the wilderness will determine how long we stay in the wilderness. So when we're going through wilderness thing, we need to stop and say, what's my response like in this wilderness right now? Am I responding? See, the wrong response in the wilderness, it prolongs and keeps us in the wilderness. Whereas the right response ensures our passage not only through it, but out of it in our life. It ensures that in our life. And, you know, earlier we mentioned the Israelites in their journey and Depending on who you listen to theologically, do you know that they said, how, first, I'm going to, I'll give you the answer first. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of y'all know that's a long time to be in a difficult spot? But God was with them. But theologians agree when they punch it all in and they look from where they were at to where they needed to go. And I would encourage you, you can read about, you know, Exodus is all about it. 
It should have taken them 11 to 30 days to get into the promised land. But because they were responding wrong in the wilderness, it turned it into 40 years. 40 years. And our response in the wilderness is absolutely huge. And I want to give you four responses while facing or in a wilderness. Number one is this, is keep an attitude of gratitude. Don't complain about what you don't have, but focus on what you do have. The, the temptation is, oh, I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I don't have this. And you say, well, what should I focus on? What's truly important? What is really important in your life? You know, I'll just give in regard to me. I mean, I'm a pastor, and I'm just going to tell you, I've been through more wildernesses as a pastor than I care to talk about. How many of you know what I'm saying? But when I go through a wilderness, I mean, me personally, is, it, is I just really stop and just look at it and realize, and this it might be different than you, but, but with me, my first thing I focus on and I'm grateful for is my relationship with God and my faith in his love and his goodness and his plan for my life. God's got a plan. When it isn't going to my plan, how many of you, it has not gone according to your plan? How many of you know what I'm saying? Okay, guess what? That's okay. God's got his plan. And his plan is better than your plan. It's, it's better than your plan. You know, and so when I talk about, you know, myself is my relationship with God. Well, I got my relationship with God. And as long as I got God, I'm okay. Next after that, I got a great wife. Oh, my gosh. She is a hottie. I love my, I got a good wife. Um, that, I mean, we're that, that solid. I got great kids. I not only got great kids, I got great uh, son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws that we're like, oh, my gosh, God, you incredibly blessed. I hear the nightmares of the ones that don't have good in-law kids. How many of you know what I'm saying? And I got great in-law kids. You say, how do you do that? We hired a Christian sniper. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I got a place to live. I have a place to live. Oh my gosh, I got a house. I got a car. I'm not walking. You know what I'm saying? I got food. I got my health. I just stop and say, you know what, God, I am so grateful for this. See, the wilderness has a way of distorting facts and giving us an inaccurate and unhealthy perspective in our life. It just distorts the facts. It distorts, and we got to come back, and we got to zero in and say, Lord, I am grateful for this, and I'm, I'm grateful for this. We've got to bring our perspective back to the main deal. Maybe you're in a wilderness because it didn't go exactly the way you thought. God's with you. God's got you, and he's going to use it for your certain good. He's going to use it. Look at what it says in Philippians 4, verse 6 through verse 8. Don't worry about anything. So there's obviously... If he's saying don't worry about anything, there's an opportunity to worry. He said, instead of worry, pray about everything, tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. I like that. You know, it's, I was raised, and it's like praying and thank God for me. You no, know, he said thank him for all he's done, past tense. Do I have an attitude of gratitude toward God? Lord, I have this, but man, you've been so good to me. I am so grateful. Now look at what he said, if I'll do this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. 
verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. What I want you to notice is God said, you're in a wilderness. I want you to, don't worry, but I want you to pray. I need you to pray. But then equally is I want you to focus and be thankful for all of the good that I've already done in your life. And what that will do is it will cause you to sense my peace. My peace will come over your soul. Nothing has changed on the outside, but my peace will come over your soul. And then what I need you to do is I need you to set your thought right where what you're thinking is in agreement with what I say. See, Paul knew a thing or two about about these different types of wilderness. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Notice the words there, be thankful in all circumstances. I'm not thankful for all circumstances, but I can be thankful in all circumstances. I'm not thankful that this, but God, I can be thankful in it. I'm not thankful for it, but God, I'm thankful in it. I have a heart of gratitude where I'm at. Number two is this. Don't fix the blame, fix the problem. Even if someone or something contributed to your wilderness, ask yourself, what can I do to get better through this experience? What can I do? What can I learn from this? You know, did I contribute to this wilderness experience? Did I contribute to it? Just be open. Take it as an opportunity. What is this situation revealed about my own heart that now I can grow? That I can see, oh, I don't like that attitude. How many of you are with me on that? How many of you know wilderness has just caused the funkiness to float to the top? Just caused the funkiness. Yo, where'd that come from? God's like, well, it was there. It just took this wilderness experience to bring it to the top. It just took it to bring it. And, you know, when you think about it, the most valuable thing we have at our control is our time. And once we use our time, we can't get it back. I have been with people that had tens of millions of dollars when they were getting ready to leave the earth. And I, and I never once, they had all the money they needed, but they were out of time. They had no time. The most valuable thing we have is our time. When I'm in a wilderness experience, don't fix blame, fix the problem and say, I'm going to now spend my time on focusing on what I can do. I'm going to focus my heart on what I can do. I'm investing my time every day. Every single day, I'm investing my time. See, when you talk about assets, you can spend them or you can invest them. And if you invest them, there is a return. If you just spend them, there is no return. And sometimes we're just spending our time and we're not investing our time. And we're saying, God, where's your return in my life? He's saying, I want you to begin to invest your time on the right things. Number three is this. Is drive looking through the windshield, not the rear view mirror. There's a reason. One's supposed to be big and the other's supposed to be small. There's a reason for that. 
There's a reason. What has God promised to you about your future? That's your windshield. That is your windshield. What has he said to you about your future? In his word, that's what I mean, from his word. You know, I, I, I say this, I'm taking names and addresses. You say, what do you mean by names and addresses? Well, I'm in a wilderness right now. Let's just say that. I'm not, but if I was, I'm in a wilderness. Okay, where is the, the where is the, what book of the Bible and what is the address to the promise that I'm standing on while I'm in this season in my life? What is the name and the address of it? Reflect, learn, adjust, move forward, and intentionally fill your heart where you just stop and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. You know, I love the Bible because it compares um, spiritual food to natural food. Jesus said, you can't live by bread alone. Well, they ate a lot of bread back then. If he were in our day, he would say, you ain't going to make it on Big Macs. How many of you know what I'm saying? He'd say, you ain't going to make it on burritos, or you ain't going to make it on this, or you ain't going to make it on that. He said, you, he said, but just like natural food sustains you physically, God's word sustains you on the inside. It does the exact same thing, God's word. You know, when you need something, when, when you need something at the grocery store, you typically go with a list, very specific. This is what I need. But if you just go to the grocery store and you walk up and down the aisles for eight hours and you put nothing in your cart, the people in the grocery store are going to think there's something wrong with you. How many of you know what I'm saying? They're going to think, God is saying, when you get in to my word, what are you putting into your cart? What are you putting? What is the specific? What are you putting into, into, into my cart or into your cart? Philippians 3 verse 13 says this. This is Paul. He said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Wow. Paul said he focuses on one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I wonder how many of us right now, you've been looking in your rear view mirror like your windshield. And God is saying, you know what? Learn from it, but let it go and focus on what I've got ahead of you in your life. And the last one, number four, is this. Avoid accepting a wilderness routine in our life. Well, I'm just going to be here for the rest of my life. And so I'm going to decorate this condo accordingly. This is my lot in life. This is just the way that it's going to be. I'm just going to plan. And what it, wilderness routines always lead to wilderness condos. And we take what God intended to be a season to a lifestyle for the rest of our life. See, when you look at the Israelites, the Israelites, God said, this is 11 to 30 day journey. But they got into that place and they began to do things that prolonged them. And then they began to drift into a wilderness routine that caused them to stay in that place longer. See, apathy in the wilderness always prolongs the stay. Always prolongs the stay. I understand when it's hot, when it's difficult, 
when it's hard, when you feel like you're facing a headwind. I understand if you want to sit down and get you a big bowl of moose tracks. How many of you know what I'm saying? And put some caramel on top and some whipped cream on top and a couple of cherries and you just sit down and just be like, okay. But when you get done with that, it should just be for your, you know what I'm saying right there. You got to get up from that and say, okay, right now I cannot afford to have an apathetic attitude in the wilderness. I can't afford to let myself just sit back and say, woe is me. I can't afford to stay because if I do, it's going to prolong my stay. Never accept what was supposed to be a season to turn into a lifestyle in our life. Never accept it. The Bible says, surely God's goodness and his mercy are following me all the days of my life. Do you know that when Jesus went through the wilderness and the Bible says he had fasted 40 days and the enemy had tested him and tempted him and lists the temptations, it says afterwards angels came and ministered to him. God was always with him all the way through it, but after it was done, there was the, the presence of God just came over his life and refreshed his soul. He went, he, he went through it, he passed it, he overcame it. And I wonder today how many of us, you have a dream in your heart and in your life, but every time you face a headwind, every time you go through a dry spot, every time you face something that's difficult, you, you begin to question and doubt. And God is saying, this is the time for you to develop some spiritual muscle and do what you know I've asked you to do, to stand up, to not be apathetic, to anchor on my word, to confess my promises over your life, to declare out of your mouth that I am good, that I am faithful, that I am with you. And he's saying, that trust in me will bring the greatest level of freedom in your life that you have ever experienced before. And you say, how can you say that? The reason I say that is this, is when you're doing it, it might not feel comfortable. But after the wilderness season has passed and you step back and you look at it, you think, oh my God, my trust was well-placed. My belief was well-placed. My security in his goodness and in his love, it was well-placed. And it brought a level of freedom now to my life so that the next time I face a headwind, the next time I go through a situation, what happens is I'm changed on the inside because of what God did back there. Amen? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Can you say amen? I realize today, this today is a broccoli sermon. How many of you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all showed up and you said, you know, I, I'm just needing some cake. I'm just wanting some ice cream. God's like, you know what? I got cake and I got ice cream. But there is also times that what you need is broccoli. You just broccoli. Well, I don't like broccoli. Well, I don't like wildernesses. I don't like dry spots. How many of you know what I'm saying? I know, I don't, and God's like, you know what? I gave you a broccoli sermon because broccoli, how many of you know, is what you need. You say, I, is God going to make me eat broccoli? Nobody's going to make you eat your vegetables. It isn't going to just be this, you know, ease. It's going to be, okay, God, this is a relationship, and you're wanting to know me deeper and stronger. You're here today, and as I stood up here, I couldn't. 
I couldn't say it enough. God is really, 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 really. His, God's goodness goes into a category that really can't even describe. It's that good. But you're here today, and your entire life, you have been living on carnation milk. And God is saying, are you ready for something different? Are you ready for something better? You say, how do I do that? What do I need to do? Realize this, it's not simple, it's not easy, but it'll cost you your life. You have to say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And just like you gave your life to get me, I give you my heart to get you. See, Jesus didn't come to rebuild you. He came to give you a whole new life. But the only way that happens is if you are willing to go all in where you're at. He won't force you. He won't make you. But what he will do is he'll challenge you and set you up to say, are you done? You were created for a relationship with him, but only you can say yes. I want to right now, maybe every one of us, close your eyes, bow your head, just out of reverence. Right now, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. He's drawing you. He's saying, taste and see that I am good. He set the table, but only you can respond. You've never given your heart to Christ. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Or maybe you have, but you've slid off track, and you know it. This is not a condemnation thing. This is a thing that God's saying, get back up. I want to pray with you right where you're at. Say, that's me, and I know it. I know it. On the count of three, if that's you, we're all going to pray together. I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand to the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes, Jesus. One more time. You lift your hand and you know that you need to lift it up to the Lord. Just lift it up. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I need you. I'm so grateful that it's not based on my performance or how good I am. It's based on how good you are. And I need you. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Lord, I go all in. I give you my past. I desperately need you in my present. And I give you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.